welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I am joined by singer, writer, performer, and host of the Dabblers Book Club, Hajar Woodland. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Welcome to the Divorce Club. Thank you very much. It's really nice to feel part of something finally, as everyone's joining me. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been in the Divorce Club? Four and a half years since my marriage ended. Uh, about, yeah, just under four since the decree absolute came through. Oh, wow. So you did it quite quick. I did. Yeah, I think we ended at end of January and by November it was all done and dusted. But I didn't start that process until June. He, uh, he, he I think he was quite keen for me to do the paperwork. He had the option to do it, but, you know, I did it. I did. So how did that quick turnaround come about? Were you, were you, you say he was keen for you to do the paperwork, but were you just like, I want to get this sorted? Did you do it yourself? Did you have a solicitor? Did it all ourselves, no kids, no property. So, um, you know, quickie divorce, but we, we'd basically, I'd moved out about six, seven months before it was official, before we officially ended it. So we'd already had this, you know, slow dancing in a burning room to quote John Mayer thing. It's like, this is happening. We're, you know, not living together. Um, We kind of tried a little bit of a separation thing and then we were still together. But uh, yeah, by, it took, yeah, six months for it to be like, no, this is definitely over. And then, so yeah, the marriage was over before it was over. What was that process like of, you know, did you think when you moved out and you were living separately that 
this is still something that could work or was that the final stages? I, yeah, I think I was hoping it would still work. There were, you know, you just go back and forth and round and round, um, trying to work out, you know, what you need to do differently, what they need to do differently, sorting through all the issues in your head. Um, I think the main thing was that I was desperate to get back to London. So we had moved to a village, uh, for what was meant to be six months and turned out to be five years. Um, And my mum always said me moving out was the most authentic thing I'd done in so long because I desperately wanted to get back to London. And it was kind of, we can be together, we'll work this out. But I know that I can't live in that place anymore. You know, I mean, then he then moved to London soon after, a few months later. But yeah, we kind of got everything in order before we broke up. Like we'd separated finances and everything um, to kind of have this feeling of like a fresh start and feel a bit more independent. And, you know, kind of to regroup and reset in ourselves a little bit because it was quite um, disorienting and disorienting discombobulating to be so isolated when you're quite young um, and ambitious or you know creative and all that sort of thing so I think getting back to London was like okay this is who we are as individuals and I guess the idea was that I hoped we would find our paths together bit naive um but while at the same time still thinking you know when you just know it's doomed I don't know if you did you ever have that just this definitely is going to work but I'm just going to try anyway just in case yeah that feeling in the pit of your stomach that's like this isn't this just not going to work just go and you're like no I need to try yeah I, and it's like, do we do, I, I do wonder is it like a woman thing or is it just how lots of us have been raised that you will flog that dead horse until it's in the ground like we we can't just see that it's dead it's like you have to cremate it as well just to be really sure wow Sorry. I love <laughs> the idea of cremating your marriage yeah um I mean, I was brought up Catholic, so I would have to bury it and let it rot in the ground. Um, So how long? (laughs) Yeah. So how long were you married for? We were married uh, cremation. (laughs) Yeah, the the six month cremation. Um, We were married, I think, three and a half years, four four years. We've been together seven and a half years in total. So yeah, it was quite a long time to have under my belt by the time I was (laughs) thirty. Yeah. So at what age did you meet? I was twenty two, and he was twenty nine. So I was very young um, and then yeah. you got divorced at 30 did you say yeah divorced uh five weeks before my yeah with marriage ended five weeks before my 30th birthday so I basically for my 30th sort of sent around a text to everyone being like right it's my birthday you're all going to make me feel amazing I might crumble uh this is going to be <laughs> I knew that I was going to be very very anxious and OTT and a little bit wired on my birthday um but everyone was lovely and supportive but um because it's a big birthday your 30th like I remember mine I went to New York and I got a tattoo of a little heart in between my boobs um, <laughs> for my birthday to love myself more. How was that planning like a big life event all in this tumultuous time? I I think I was kind of expecting that my 30th would be without him. I did end up, so my friend wanted to go to LA for her birthday, which was a few weeks later, uh, Vegas, sorry, for her birthday. So we ended up doing that. So by the time my birthday came around, I already knew I was going to LA and Vegas. And then I ended up staying there for two months. So I just, I'd already planned this big get out for myself and I was hoping that, um, yeah, it would be some sort of regrowth and yeah, refreshing experience. You know, it's really weird actually talking to you about this because I don't think I've ever been asked in such a clear way. Um, when I was thinking about, uh, 
this podcast beforehand, I was gearing myself up to go through all the questions, being like, okay, so I might talk about this, I might talk... And you can't really prepare because there's always such an emotional edge to it, isn't there? Always. Um, it doesn't matter how factually you can speak through things. The fact that you're divorced, when you think about it, it's like, oh, it's always, it's always got that little uh, edge of pain. <laughs> well, that's why I started this podcast, because I think I wanted to talk about my divorce and I didn't have anyone else who'd really been through a divorce. I think what's been so interesting about doing this podcast is asking people these questions that they've never really had to say out loud before mm, yeah. and it can stir things up but hopefully be quite cathartic. Absolutely. I mean you're quite recently-ish in the gale of divorce. It's a couple of years did you say? Yeah. A couple of years since we separated. Mm -hmm. And you still haven't done the paperwork, was that? We've done most of it. Okay. We've got the decree nicei. Ah. Uh, yeah, I haven't got the decree absolute, which mm -hmm. is just a funny name oh, for things. God. When that came through... Um, I was with my friend and we were um, going for like Thai food and we were having a few drinks at home. And then my mum just, because I'd been so all over the place, I'd sort of gone to LA and then gone to London and stayed at various people's houses. All my post was going to my mum's and she sent me the photo. And it actually wasn't really clear. There's no kind of official certificate saying you are divorced. It's like just a bit of paper along with your decree nicei. And so I was like... I think that means I'm divorced and I basically got so much more drunk uh, went to walk down Brick Lane with my friend um, hammered the margaritas at the Thai place found a bar that was doing an open mic night grabbed the mic just introduced myself as drunk and divorced and uh, that was that was my at least I remember the night I found out that it was official that's amazing well you are a singer so hopefully yeah. if if I did that I would have really punished everyone else it wasn't like Bridget Jones it. kind of <laughs> Oh, I'm sad to hear that it's not an actual certificate, the decree absolute. I was imagining, you know, like GCSE <laughs> certificate, like on slightly thicker paper with a little shiny border and it says, you are divorced. And then someone has just signed it and you don't know who they it's are. It's what we deserve. It's what we deserve. Um, I might make myself one. <laughs> well, that's the, you know what, because I was, my sister's divorced as well. And um, I remember when hers came through, but before but a few years before me. I'd seen, I think it was uh, Eat, Pray, Love or something. She brings her a divorce cake or something like that. And I kind of thought about that. And I think my sister was like, uh, no. And when it came around to mine, um, this family rite of passage, I was like, oh no, it's pain. It is painful. Like look, any sort of idea of celebrating it, I find, I do find really difficult um, because it is kind of a grief. You can celebrate the fact that you're sort of free and everything, but I always look at it like, yeah, it is. That my grandma always said it's like a, the death of a marriage, you know. Um. But don't you think, because I think, I think with death, like my dad died four years ago mm. and at the time it was so raw and horrible, but now I can like on Father's Day, I can celebrate him and toast a glass to him. Yeah. And I feel like the further I get away from my separation, the more I feel like I can celebrate because it is like a big life change and it is brave and courageous. Yeah, I think, no, it absolutely is. And actually the first few months, I, I don't think I've ever loved myself so much, um, you know, in that way. I remember almost... <laughs> 
kind of giving myself hugs. <laughs> uh, like every time stuff would become clearer about why things happened and um, and painful arguments or this and that, I just remember going, well done, like you got through it and you made the decision to leave. Um, I think the, the nail in the coffin was, was him. He was the one who finally decided, right, this is over. Um, but I had been the one to, to move out and know that, you know, stuff had to change. So just me having moved was a a big deal for me just doing one thing that you know is authentic and has come straight from you um and I don't think we realize just how much we hold ourselves back for it's not even convenience it's um just you know for someone else just it's easier not to question things um and it's scary as well it's scary to go what would my life be like if I'm the only person that was responsible for those choices. So you mentioned your upbringing and you said earlier you were Muslim. Mm. Uh, are you still, would you still uh, cast yourself as a Muslim? No, or was I'm that like... how you were brought up? Oh, it was how I was brought up. There's hardly two people with my religious upbringing, I swear. Um, I'm half English, half Iranian, strict Muslim upbringing, but also heavily influenced by not the easiest father uh, to be around, to put it mildly. Um, so when he moved out, when my parents got divorced and when life changed and I moved to London, um, I kind of stopped wearing a headscarf um, and then the prayers stopped and, you know... I don't know whether to call myself Muslim or not because it did define me for 18 years. Um, but now I'm just someone who was raised Muslim, I suppose. So did you did you wear a headscarf until you were 18? Five till 18, yeah. Wow. And then so you were sort of newly in this new life when you met your husband-to-be. Yeah. Um, I'd had one serious relationship before him. Um, at uni and then yeah I met him at 22 and it had just been a week and I remember texting my grandma because my grandma texts um, and I texted her saying that I knew this was it like I, I just knew and I'm, I'm sure many therapists would be like yeah you clearly sort of ticked all the boxes of your um, broken <laughs> childhood that you needed to repeat or all the toxic stuff you went through but um, I was so sure um, that I would definitely marry him. We had a really strong connection, I would say. But as you get older, you, you sort of see through those connections a bit more, don't you? I just, when I look back, it's like, oh, you were just this little girl chasing love, chasing someone to who you thought you were meant to be with. I, I really thought we we're meant to be together. So it didn't even matter if I was happy day to day. It was just we are meant to be. And I was like the tragic little girl doing everything to make it happen. And yeah, I think I can see how someone who's older and, you know, wants to appreciate someone who wants to do anything for them can just go along with that sort of relationship. I think ultimately he didn't really love me, though, in the way I look at love now yeah. and and do you think in your upbringing was marriage a goal for you in the oh. way you're brought up like why do you think you were chasing him and that yeah it's it's so strange because growing up I thought all I would do was get married have kids um and like be a teacher like my mum that was basically it um but unlike a lot of Muslim communities uh I didn't have the parental support for that right. So it's like they wanted me to do that, but they weren't really showing me how to or introducing me to men or anything like that. And, you know, by the time I went to uni, my mum wasn't even wearing a headscarf and she wasn't practising anymore because she was a convert. Um, so I didn't have any of those structures. But the idea... So marriage probably wasn't as important to me, if I'm honest, 
Um, but I did think it was something I should do if given the chance. <laughs> um, I think more being loved, I think, to be the tragic little girl. Um, no, we all want to be loved. Well, yeah. And I, I think in my 20s, things I'm quite a confident person. I had lots of friends and a really cool social life and did loads of things in London. Um, so there was that incongruity of being okay with yourself, but literally deep down, it's like if someone is pulling all the right strings, I will do anything for them. Um, so I think he I think he kind of probably went along with it in a way. So you mentioned that your parents separated and got divorced and that your sister was divorced. What was it like <laughs> in your family environment with all that divorce? What sort of experiences did you have of it before you got divorced oh just super stable just you know when you know that your parents going to be there for you forever and every uh yeah just a complete mess of relationships really I suppose uh you kind of go into things with this desperation to make them work but also this underlying it probably won't work either um so those two sides are just knocking against each other um so even if you're unhappy you think i need to make this work um and yeah, the other idea of being content in your relationships is is not the important thing but i think also with my mum bless her because uh i knew so much about her divorce going through that that uh i think sweet woman that she is i think she definitely projected a lot of that stuff onto my divorce and I think there are a few things I did that were helping me preempt things that he would do and it was a different person you know he wasn't going to act like my dad did to her yeah I remember my mum said right change the locks when <laughs> yeah, he I, think- went. I was like he's not he left willingly he's not <laughs> going to try and force his way back in like what and then she was like okay fine but like that was her first reaction even though my mum split up with my dad and you know he didn't do anything weird like come in (laughs) at the middle of the night so I don't know where that came from my god so my um so with my thing mine was the finances so we had some savings um and I was telling my mum yeah they're in the joint account they'll be fine she goes well you wouldn't be the first woman to think that (laughs) so I was like oh okay so uh, so that's literally why I started separating the finance before we got together and it was all very fair and even and you know nicely thought through but I was like yeah this is uh <laughs> not not great I don't think that could have probably waited until after we were officially divorced well my mum trained as an accountant originally so yeah she was like make sure but I think mums just worry about you don't they and they want to make sure that you get what you deserve I yeah. guess um and finances can be difficult I think I've only just managed to shut my joint account that I had with my ex like now I've still got my married name on one of them and I've changed my name I've got the I've got the confirmation of my deed poll and everything and I've that the bank have registered my deed poll and it's still coming up as my married name and that is a real yeah that kind of hits you every time you see it. it's like how is it so hard to change a name it is all that admin stuff though isn't it like I still get some I think my eBay is in my married name although I never officially changed my name I just changed it on like a couple of things to keep him happy (laughs) so I think eBay is in it um so whenever I get an eBay parcel it says his surname and I'm like oh every time and it's just a bit yeah you rubbed your neck like uncomfortably then and I think it is a bit (laughs) like that isn't it it's like just a little reminder that makes you go oh yeah that happened I'm getting divorced yeah did you have any other admin stresses around (laughs) okay 
I don't know if you've ever run a band with a partner. (laughs) (laughs) What, like a musical band? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we have a duo. Well, I had a duo, which was kind of mine, and then a band, which we created together. But um, that became his. And I was like, well, I'll take the duo, you take the band. But there was lots of equipment to sort out. um, And we worked together. And originally, I basically realised after a few months that I was because we carried on working together for a few months. Um, and then I realised that actually I was literally trying to be the good divorcee. So I'd gone from trying to be the good wife to like doing divorce his way. Um, because how nice to just be happy together. And, you know, aren't we so modern? And woo, it's so cool. And then you just think, no, I can't be around you. Um, it's too difficult. Um, and also when you've got weird dynamics and stuff, you just fit back into them straight away. It doesn't matter how... Honestly, I think we could see each other in five years' time and we would still fit back into that old dynamic. I think he would still make me feel, um, you know, how we did towards the end of the marriage. But yeah, when we had our bands together, we did a few gigs together and you kind of put a brave face on it and smile through and go, yeah, it's all great. And then honestly, I would feel awful for the next few weeks. I Like my whole um, internal world would just be off balance. That's so interesting that you you performed in a band after you'd separated. Oh, I can't imagine what that must have... Were you singing and just inside thinking something completely different? Um, I was... You kind of in... <laughs> sound like such a twat. Yeah, kind of in the moment when you're singing. Um, you know, because you are thinking about the audience and stuff, but it would be the times in between it would be in the break room or when you're setting up it's seeing them on their phone and knowing who they're texting and who you're texting it's just all those and I remember there was he'd picked me up with with another band member in the car um and a song was playing and I started sort of humming along and I caught his eyes in the rear view and he turned it up a little bit and we had this kind of flicker of a nice moment and I, after that, I was like, I can't do that. I can't have any sense of we've got something, which is just like normal kindness. But anything that harks back to that relationship you had, I I hate it. Um, so were you and him the duo? We were the duo, yeah. Um, and I'd have, you know, Depp, Depp singers, uh, Depp, Depp uh, guitarists. Um, and yeah, it was... It was sort of fine, um, but, oh, you just feel awful. I mean, the one thing he said to me at the end of the relationship was, yeah, I think I probably didn't respect you. And how did it feel when he told you that he didn't respect you? Um, I think at that point I was still, oh, great, thanks for being honest. That's really <laughs> that's really good of you to tell me. Um, I, I mean, I think I, I, I still got a chance several months later to, you know, yeah, really shout at him and tell him everything I thought after figuring it out. Um, but no, it, it didn't feel great. But relationships are just so, like, even the nice ones are hard work. When the heart, the difficult like the yeah the awful ones you kind of it's so hard to know how much of it is all you and I think that's the worst thing about divorce that you carry with you is is this something that I'm just going to take from one person to the next do you think you will take things that you've learned from that marriage into future relationships yes I mean I've been with my boyfriend for two years now um the first thing I took was always go younger because I've gone older so I was like right I'm five years younger very practical thank you very much (laughs) um uh, yeah I've definitely taken a lot 
from the divorce. I think I started off much more chilled. And then as you are in a relationship longer, you see your patterns more clearly. Um, it definitely made me a bit more sort of patient and forgiving. Um, you see the areas where you can be controlling, um, especially when you've been in a dynamic where you've been on the other end of that. Yeah. So it sounds like you have learned things from the first marriage. So maybe you won't have the same situation again and again. Yes, I don't think so. I, I'm much more chilled out about relationships now, I suppose. Um, and I don't think, I don't believe in the love that I used to believe in. I think love is a much more, it's a partnership. You both have to put the time and effort in. Um, and I remember I sort of gave myself this mantra that if you want a new love, it will feel different. Like it, you have to be used to it, feeling, get used to the idea that love will feel different now um, because you're looking at things differently. I'm not a 22 year old that needs to, you know, learn how to be a person from a much older man. I really enjoy um, the love that I have in this relationship, which is just real nurturing, genuinely, how can I make your day better? And do you think you'd get married again? Yeah, I do like the idea of marriage, the idea of it. Um, I, did, I did like the partnership of, of marriage, it, but yeah, it has lost its sheen for me. I think I would probably be getting married more for my partner than for me this time. God, I sound like some old, depressed, bitter woman at 34. Uh, you don't have this to look forward to, honestly, I swear. Um, but we've missed out the two years of dating, which was amazing fun. That I will literally, oh God, Okay, well, tell me about that then. <laughs> How was being newly single at 30? Which is similar um, to me. I was newly single at 32, 31. Uh it was amazing. The first year, so what I did, I was really patient with myself. I would make sure I would cry whenever I needed to. I got through the anger bit. The emotional side of it was like, cool, feel how you feel, get over it. I, there was no distraction from how I felt. So I ticked that box. And then after that, um, sorry, I need to let you know, the first person I hit on was John Mayer. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market in LA at a club I did you know it was him I did, or you, yeah. oh, you were like I'm gonna do it. I'm single well I'd only been uh separated four weeks so it was uh and I had again four margaritas and like literally three old fashions four old fashions it was terrible um but yeah I I made a I spoke to him about three times in this club in in LA um and I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I remember standing outside with my friend going go on this is your only chance you can do it just go and go and speak to him properly so I just like sat down next to him we had like a 20 minute chat um I think he was working out the situation like he was ascertaining whether I was a loose cannon so he's like so how long have you been divorced and da, 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 da. um he didn't he didn't take the bait but I love that you brought up your divorce in that 20 minute initial chat as well do you want to know what I said <laughs> Oh, yeah, what was your opening line? Like, so you walk up to him. I might have said something like, bookending my relationship with you. Yeah. So, and he said, that is so Oxford. Because I have a nice posh English accent when I go to America. So they think I'm rich. Um, and from Oxford. And from, well, went to Oxford. So Oxford. Um, and yeah, uh, we had a little chat. He showed me song lyrics on his phone. It was magical. You told uh, him you were divorced. How did how did you broach that? How did you break your divorce to John Mayer? Okay, I, I probably need to back up a bit to the first time I actually saw him, which was in the toilets, in the unisex toilets in this club. And perfect place to pick someone up. Oh my god, it was it was awful. I was so drunk. Um, I uh, was washing my hands. I said he said something. I think he bumped into me, um, and I didn't realize who he was at that point. And then when I realized, I kind of asked him what what to like get him to repeat himself uh, so I could see his face. And then I don't know why I had. I had soap in my hand and I was in the middle of washing my hands when I was talking to him. And I just learned, I've got soap in my hand. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, then... Sometimes moment- you get a bit of starstruck. When I first met Channing Tatum, who directed Magic yeah. Mike Live, I mean, if we're going to name drop, let's go let's full do it, in. Let's do it. Um, I, he hugged me and said hello. And I just said, you smell nice. <laughs> <laughs> like the creepiest lady in the world. That's the first thing I ever said to him. That's amazing. So you, and you said to John Mayer that you had soap in your hands. It's just, it just, it's just, 
It's great. Rely um, on your senses. So then a minute later, I walked past him. I was like that. Honestly, it was like I was 18 again in a club, just being that irritating child in a club, uh, except I was 30. Um, and then, yeah, the next time I walked past him and I just went, I'm getting a divorce because of you. <laughs> <laughs> what an opener. I love The it. idea being I wouldn't have met my uh, ex-husband if it wasn't for you, which is basically true, to be honest. Um, so that and then about two hours later that, at the end of the night, that is when I approached him. Uh, and we sat chatting for a little while. Did you snog John Mayer? I did not snog John Mayer. No, I didn't. No, it's quite disappointing. So you so you chatted up John Mayer. What else did you get up to in your two single years? Two single years. I literally dated loads and loads. Um, I would go through sort of phases of not seeing anyone for four months. Like I would like sign, swear myself off men. And then I would just hit Bumble like crazy for like two days and straight. You know when you just like run out of your local area you've swiped through everyone and there's no one left i did that i changed the area on it and just put i meant that i live in a different area <laughs> i yeah i sort of dated a, saw a couple of guys in la um which was not a good idea because oh god mental anyway i came back to england sort of didn't really do anything for a couple of months and then hit uh, Tinder really hard for 24 hours found one guy on there to date for three months took another little break and then for a year I think I was dating like going on like one or two dates a week some of them were just cups of tea um, but it was what I would call mindful dating it was um, honestly like just wanting to chat to people I stayed sober on every first date um, to get to know myself better and how I interact with men and to just sort of tick off a few little things because yeah, after after that whole divorce, it's like, I know there's just so many awful people out there um, and they will hook you in in nasty ways as well and you don't quite know. And So I was just trying to go on dates with people and see how I felt. Um, it was in a way it was dating myself and a man was there. Uh, yeah, it, but it was all exploratory for me, dating. Um, and then I, you know, had some fun in there. Um, and it was just so nice being, like, I think because I have this whole Muslim thing and there's this, um, you know, in your 20s, you in your 20s, you're just worried about being a slut, I think. I don't know. Maybe I was just because my religious background, you're, every guy, you're like, oh my God, that's another number. Um, but in my 30s, it was like, I don't care. I own my body and I will decide what I want to do when with whom I think that's what's so interesting about coming out of a marriage because you go in thinking this is the last person I'm ever going to sleep with and that's okay and then you come out thinking oh my god I did not yeah own my body and do what I thought was nice and you know lots of lovely consenting things when I was younger because I was worried about being a slut whereas now if I want to be a slut I'm gonna be a slut I'm gonna own it yeah absolutely I just um I think there's this, uh, maybe it's because I'm quite a naturally depressive person over these things. But you're like, maybe I'm never going to meet a man again for a relationship. So what? I will do what I want. Because I think that's a big thing, isn't it? It's like when you're younger, um, you worry what your future boyfriend will think about your past sexual history. And it's like, hmm. And that just didn't come into it after marriage. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. I was dating, I, I think I wrote a spreadsheet at one point for a friend just to show all the dates that I'd <laughs> gone on. That is very organised record I mean, keeping. it was for someone. It wasn't like I had this spreadsheet. But yeah, uh, I think I deleted it through um, just yeah fear that it would be... <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. So now you're in a happy relationship. And you say when you got divorced that you had to split up your friends as well as instruments um 
what what was that process like of your friends being there for you and did any friends kind of come out of the woodwork are you still friends with a lot of them um, now so I think actually our friends so it was more like work colleagues bandmates and stuff that was more him or me friends were always definitely mine or his I don't think there were any you know close shared friends um all of my friends were just definitely with me throughout it all going through those experiences with your friends if someone was listening and their friends just getting divorced or going through something similar do you have any advice to them for things that your friends did that you found really useful at that I had time? one amazing friend um who everything I said she was like that's totally normal that's totally normal and just being told that your reactions are normal is so helpful um because you do, we all have some fixer friends and they'll be like, right, what you need to do is this. And it's like, that's not helpful. Uh, an unhelpful thing was when a friend said, do you miss him or just the idea of him? And I was like, uh, no, that's seven and a half years. It's No, it wasn't an idea. Um, so you get some, uh, but that's people who haven't been through it. And it's really hard to, yeah, have um, conversations on the same level when people think it's basically like a high school relationship that's broken up. Um, yeah, the telling you telling people you're normal, um, just checking in. No one, no one did anything particularly wrong during that time or painful, a few annoying things. But I just had a lot of friends who were just there for a chat all the time. Um, I think me going to LA was an amazing thing, which is strange because you'd think you'd need your friends all around you. But I think I, I just needed this escape and this new landscape. Um, and also we had been to LA together. So it was this weird catharsis of seeing the same thing you know same places we'd visited and sort of putting a new stamp on it and I had this mantra of um that was then this is now that was then this is now like every time I wanted to cry every time I missed him or missed the situation or anything like that it was that was then this is now and just reminding yourself that you are in a new life now I love I love that because I've definitely especially in the last few months actually you know things have happened or I've like been somewhere and the last time I'd been there, I was with my ex and or there was like a memory of us as a couple associated with that place. And then as I was like walking into wherever it was, you kind of think of that past memory mm-hmm. and it, it does make you sort of stop and go, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to be here. But then actually going there and then creating new memories mm. there I think is so valuable and it kind of, it doesn't overwrite the old memory but it just means that it's not so raw and yeah. and it's these landscapes still exist without that person like they didn't define your experience and actually just having that freedom in my 30s to be like no this is your experience this is how you're seeing the world you don't need to smile for someone else to show to think you're having a good time um yeah, and, and being like, this is valuable in and of itself. Um, even just a view of a particular place is valuable through your eyes. You don't need to be smiling at someone you love for that to be, um, yeah, meaningful. Um, there's a few questions I'm going to ask to round things off, just things that I've been going through recently and I want to get your take on okay. them. So I live in the house that I lived in with my ex-husband. Um, so... I've been doing it up, redecorating, bought a new bed, bought new furniture, and I'm trying to like, you know, make it more my own space. And it feels really nice and really cathartic. And like we talked about, you know, creating new memories in all these spaces that have old memories of us as a couple associated to them. Do you remember a time where you were in a new space 
and you made it feel your own and maybe, you know, bought like a vase he wouldn't have liked or something like that. <laughs> you know what? I am so unhomely that I literally throw anything in a place. So even if it comes to like basic interior design or decorating or yeah, vases, I don't, I bought a vase because someone bought me flowers. That's like, I, it's just not stuff I think about. Um, but in terms of things that you sort of do going, well, you're not the boss of me anymore. And this is actually dangerous. Um, but I, he always used to have a go at me for leaving knives blade upwards. And uh, I, just instinct out of principle leave them upwards so I might injure myself but I will have won the moral game and every time you do that do you think yeah I think I don't care if this hurts me it's the principle is I will leave my knives how I want them and then also recently I mowed the lawn which Mm -hmm. might not sound like a big deal but I'd never mowed the lawn before and it's something my ex always used to do Mm -hmm. so do you remember a moment other than pointing the knives up of you of you like doing something maybe a physical thing on your own for the first the time. The thing is, I think I was always capable of doing things. There were, there was nothing that he did that I couldn't have done myself, but I didn't do it myself. And I think what I realised was, you know, as you're changing windscreen wipers on your car or um I literally don't windscreen wipers on the car is a good one because I think he got it wrong when he was trying to show me how to do it like paint I don't know I don't I literally hate anything to do with the home <laughs> like I'm like the most anti-interior design like I look around the place and I'm oh it'd be nice to have this this and this and I'm like nope can't afford it can't be bothered also how do you deal with like anniversaries so when like your wedding anniversary is coming up or even like his birthday because it was my ex's birthday recently and I actually forgot but I messaged him the day after saying happy birthday hope you had a good one but how do you deal with those well I remember every date I've always remembered dates Um, I remember his mother's birthday and his birthday Um, and it's I messaged his mother more than I did him for her, her when it was her birthday, but we stopped about a year or two years ago. Like, we would usually send a happy Christmas and a happy birthday. But I think when one of us didn't reply to the last one, I think, you know, when you sort of just, it's an unspoken, you both know, you're both okay with it. It doesn't mean that you don't still, you know, care for the other. But yeah, birthdays and anniversaries... Yeah, we we just... What do you do, though? Do you do something nice for yourself? Do you try and ignore um, it? I don't do anything particularly. I just, I know it's there. Um, I might mention it to my boyfriend and be like, oh, yeah, it's um, so-and-so's birthday today or it was our... It's actually, it's our, technically it's our anniversary of our first date today. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. First. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> God, was that like... Congrats on being free. 12 years ago. Wow, I don't even know the date of... I think it's because he was going to propose on this date and then he did it a few weeks earlier instead. So it's kind of doubly ingrained. Finally, what advice would you give anyone going through what you've been through right now? Take your time and allow yourself to cry at every single moment and don't read into those tears, I think, is the biggest thing. I don't know why, because it felt quite advanced for me to manage, um, considering I was so early in my sort of personal growth uh, and self-therapizing. But yeah, after the first couple of weeks, I just allowed myself to cry wherever, whenever. I made myself hot milk before I went to bed and I would literally at 10.30, 11 o'clock um, by myself just cry for a few moments, have my hot milk (laughs) 
like a baby and then go to bed and I'd be okay. So I had all these sort of time out moments for myself um, and I'd sort of structured them into my day. But yeah, every night was hot milk and honey and a cry. Um, but again, yeah, not not reading into those tears because like you will cry. Um, and I think when you're younger, you want to know why you're crying and you want to know how to stop crying and you want to know how to fix the tears and I just I knew that as long as I kept crying whenever I needed to the time between those tears would get longer and it did um, but again I still allow myself even now even now there'll still be a day for whatever reason I'll be like I miss being married and it makes no sense but you just go that's okay have a have a little cry and get on with your day I like that <laughs> have a little cry and get on with your day mantra <laughs> Hadja thank you so much that's thank been you. great yeah, where can you. people find you online right I guess my website's the easiest it's hadja.co.uk h-a-j-a-r.co.uk easy I'm on Twitter too but everything you'll find me great well thanks so much thank you ever so much really enjoyed that Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one, or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.